from the Innsmouth Book Club. Join me and my fellow guide, John Chadwick, as we take you on a fortnightly tour of Innsmouth. We visit places such as the Picture House, the Library and Innsmouth Museum to discuss all aspects of weird fiction, whether it be book, film, music, TV or art. As well as that, we stop over at the Gilman House to have a chat with a resident guest. That includes authors, artists, musicians, in fact, Lovecraftian creatives of all types. You can find our free shows on Patreon, and there you can also sign up as a patron, which brings you bonus content, plus a monthly PDF copy of Innsmouth News, which features articles, author spotlights, all the latest news and reviews, and more. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash Innsmouth BC. We hope to see you soon because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. This episode is brought to you by Donner. Check out the show notes to find a good deal at Donner. Like the sound of this? This is the Donner Island Delay and the really cool Donner LP that I've shown off on like Instagram check it out. Uh, they've got some really good summer deals, and check out their snap deals as well. Use the link in the show notes to help support the show. Get yourself some cool musical instruments, maybe some patch chords. Cool. This episode is brought to you by California Tea House. California Tea House is a family-owned tea store where you can find some of the world's best loose-leaf tea and organic herbal tea blends. Like a fine wine, there is no comparison between Find loose leaf and common broken leaf tea bags. So, yeah, no, check them out. Check them out. They have quite a bit of pretty awesome tea collections. I'm a huge fan of their white teas. Uh, they have a tea club that you can join, but, you know, they've got green tea, black tea, white tea, oolong, that uh, robios and herbal tea. They've also got teaware. So check out California Tea House in the show notes. You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Greetings, listeners. It is I, T.B. Spitzer in Farmer Days, here once again to talk to you about the Cthulhu Mythos, its books, its monsters, its unfortunate human casualties, its timeline in general, and even its tangential bits, like the dreamlands or things of a weird nature that are Lovecraftian leanings. Once more we head into those dark woods, further feeling those malevolent forces upon us. Once again we walk down the lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. You're listening to KZON. Hey everyone, it's me, D.B. Spitzer, and to my virtual right, as always, Farmer Dave. Farmer Hi. Dave. How the I heck is it going? I tap you on your virtual right shoulder, but I'm actually standing on your virtual left. Oh, that old trick, I see. Well, I am such a cad. Correct. Uh, so, how's it going this week? Uh, I, it I, is well. We got back from the Rose City Comic Con. And, yeah. And, uh, and uh, Clackamas County did not burn down. There was a small fire not too far from us. But yeah. It only got about 25 acres, and it was on the other side of the river. So we are 
we are safe. So thank Anything. you for everybody who actually, um, I did get a couple of messages, people concerned about our safety, but we are well. Yeah. 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 We're, we're all doing good, everyone. Um, I, bleh. I'm a little bit less than great. I, I got con cred, and anyone who doesn't know what con cred is, it's also the same thing that you get when you, like, fly more than 12 hours accumulatively in a short span, you know, on a uh, major airline or something like that, or you, uh, I, I don't know, you see, uh, go to a movie festival. Okay. Okay. Uh, movie festivals, comic book fa anyway, anytime you get a bunch of people together, you're gonna get and you know post post uh post covid uh I don't know what do you call it these days um you know everyone or, normally or the is Oregon crowd if you move to Oregon Oregon crowd if you move to Oregon but it's 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 this this I don't know uh, I just feel sick and yucko and oh because anyway um yeah 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 that's that's what's going on this week and also what's going on this week is we're talking about narlethotep again and we're talking about dungeons and dragons again so yeah all right anyway um dave what's uh what's new in the world of uh the goats i mean so they are, they are doing well we're we're pretty much ended the season of them clearing brush out uh, -huh. uh as we get into the rain or wetty seasons but uh other than that we're uh, they are doing well they did not like the heat but and they told me but as long as they're kept watered we're fine all right all right uh, yeah, things things at the cemetery pretty standard at this point in time of the year. Um, yeah, I feel like middle of September, everything that we're working up to is like getting ready for October and Halloween season. Everywhere, it's like no one's like, all right, let's let's get, you know, I don't think there's any big holidays coming up between now and Halloween, unless I'm really dumb and just not thinking of them, but. Yeah, we had Labor Day. Yeah, we had Labor Day, so I think we're good. And in I, th I think that National Hopscotch Day was canceled in Oleander this year because okay. of the accident that we can't talk about yeah. last year. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, yeah, so... Mule the... Day, National Mule Day, I believe is still the first oh. of October. Yeah, okay. Mule okay. Appreciation Day. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Can't forget about that. But, uh, mm -hmm. something that, uh, some people would like to forget about is Narlethotep. This week we're going to be talking about two aspects of Narlethotep. We're going to be talking about the bringer of, no, we're talking about the bringer of pests and the crawling mist. Yes. <laughs> Both of which I think, uh, I'm not very familiar with, both I think were invented for the Chaosium game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, the Crawling Mist uh, may have been created by Lumley. So, I, I believe uh, Lumley created uh, Crawling Mist. But yeah, no, uh, the Bringer of Pests is definitely a uh, uh, Sandy Peterson uh, and all 
creation. Um, let's get into bringer pests real quick. Uh, bringer oh. pests, uh, Egyptian uh, mask worshipped in Egypt's 12th dynasty. This manifestation can only be described as a horde of huge, spitting, supernatural locusts. It has no known modern cult, um, and that's pretty cool. I mean, not cool, but, I mean, it's a cool concept. Yeah. yeah. And, and, it, and it draws off of two things from, from the Bible. Sure. Uh, Old Testament and New Testament. Mm-hmm. The Old Testament, of course, being the plague that were upon the Egyptians. Yeah. Uh, and then the New Testament is this sort of this concept of, you know, this giant monstrous locust in Revelations, mm-hmm. which kind of again draws on this concept that Narlathotep is sort of the beast. Yeah. He is the true form that they were warning you about. Yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And, um, I, I like the idea of maybe, like, if you wanted to have, like, Bringer of the Pests, have it be, like, a physical manifestation of a person, then, 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 like, turns into a horde of spitting supernatural, uh, locusts and never reforms. Like, you know, at, at one point in time, it's, like, one person, and then all of a sudden, blah, you have, like, locusts everywhere. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, there's, I, I mean, you could do uh, this in modern things. You could do this in, uh, like, if you're writing a story in modern times, if you're writing a story in ancient times, uh, how you would uh, do locusts. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think, like, a horde of huge, spitting, supernatural locusts invading the Midwest would uh, be a bit worrisome, so. <laughs> yeah, and... You know, and again, we sort of we we tie, we tie Lovecraft, uh, we tie you know, uh, Naralotep into the you know the end of the world yeah. and nuclear. But it would make a really good nineteen uh, fifties B movie monster version. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Um, other thing I was thinking of is yeah, you do it in the Midwest or you do it in a. Uh, tractor farming uh you do it in a tractor farming settlement in uh the ussr in the 50s i mean you know you can have it both ways (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah yeah no there's 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 a lot of ways that you could do it uh bringer of pests uh pretty cool idea pretty cool idea uh another one that is really cool is a dreamlands entity that brian lumley came up with and it's just a sickly colored fog which springs up without warning and moves purposely towards the messenger's destination. I mean that's that's pretty easy. That's that's uh pretty easy to describe, pretty easy to like uh I don't know, be like, "Oh yeah, it's this gross mist and it follows people." That yeah, no, especially in the dreamland because you know Mist in the dreamland don't have to follow laws of physics in the you know the real world. Yeah, and especially um, you know, mist in dreams. You know, 
covering veil is so symbolic. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's just a cool image, I guess. Like, I don't know, I get this idea of, like, people wandering across the dreamlands in an area that's kind of like the Scottish Moors and having this, like, yucko... Yeah, like this just, just kind of, like, brown, yellowy, kind of unpleasant-looking fog... And I don't know if you've, if you, Dave, have ever read into, uh, I don't know, the industrialized world's uh, history with fogs, but um, in the past, when we've had fogs, like fogs in London and stuff like that, caused but I was by... going to talk about the Great Smog. Yeah, 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 yeah. It kills people. It's It's a fog that killed people. It's like... You know, there's, there's, uh, in, in, in our nation, in England's nation, in Canada's, uh, history, you know, just in the last hundred years, like, uh, recorded instances of, like, industrial accidents, uh, combining with weather and creating just awfulness, <laughs> um, combinations of, like, winds and metal or chemicals and just natural occurring fog and smog and whatnot it's not good for people it's really not good for people a lot of people got really 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 sick so but um if if you bring that kind of concept into your uh uh you know you can have people who are already kind of like weary of smogs and fogs but if you bring in that uh, it's a color fog that springs up without warning and moves purposely towards the messenger's destination. I mean, as little information as we personally have on this this mask of Narlethotep. Um, you could... And we, we see a sort of an example of this mm -hmm. uh, in a, a Doctor Who audio oh. uh, called The Creeping Death. Ooh, neat. Uh, and I don't think it's not really, I mean, it's not, even though. There are in some of the audios actual mentions of the the outer gods. Yeah, um, it's not supposed to be, but it's very close, very very close. Sure. Even though it's not exact on. All right. So that's those those are our Narlethotaps for the week. Um, join us next week when we Narlethotap some more. Are so, they Narlethotaps or Narlethotapi? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. How do you pluralize? <laughs> How do you, I can't even pronounce his name normally, so. It's Masks of Narlethotep. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so, um, we did have something planned for the middle part, but it's not that super exciting. I think uh, it's exciting. Oh, I know, I know, but. I'm excited. I you know, want to say, hey, let's forget that part. I got an email the other day. Let's do listener mail instead. Let's do email. Yeah. So I have to look up this email. Yeah, here we go. Um, All right. Um... Yeah, uh, so uh, Taking Tiger Mountain 
Uh, writes, uh, another great episode of PGTTCM. Thank you for continuing to put a, put these out. Regarding the question that came up in the discussion with Scott Glancy of where Narlethotep and masks first came up, I think I may have it, it may have been in the Whisper and Darkness, the waxen mask in robes that hide. Ooh. Just thought I'd pass that on. Thank you again for all the fun and interesting podcasts. So thank you chat. again, uh, Taking Tiger chat. Mountain. Uh, we are very happy that you wrote to us. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, that makes a lot more sense than some of the stuff that we've tried to come up with on where the heck the mask's uh, title comes from. But yeah, I like that a lot. Um, Dave, any thoughts on that? Well, I, I, I think it makes sense. Uh, and maybe we ought to, you know, ask Chaosium where they come from. Oh, but sure. I think that, that there's always been sort of this idea yeah. that all the personage, you know, personages of Narlothep are actually, he's one being. Yeah. And it really is almost like different masks on his face. Yeah. Yeah. Some people want to say it's all one being all at once and it's just different masks on the face and it's, you know... I can't remember who I was talking to recently that said uh, three-headed god face. Oh, that was probably Scott Glancy. Um, but yeah, I, 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 you can think of Narlethotep as like a bunch of beings connected to one that all exist at different points of time and space, but it's like ultimately the same thing. And it's like, well, is it ultimately the same thing or is it more like the same recipe that's been repeated the whole time and if you think of mask if you think of Narlethotep as a plate of cookies and every time someone makes a plate of cookies they're remaking Narlethotep there may be some sort of cosmic thing like that it's like all Narlethotep are Narlethotep you can't change it you can't make something up about it i mean huh, you can't make something yolzy you can do is make up something about it but i don't know kind of like that whole kind of concept of like i don't know this 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 um uh what's the word uh hyper realism of like the golden arches represent mcdonald's like the golden arches represent all of the ideals of McDonald's, all the history of McDonald's, all of the everything. And, I mean, Narlethotep could be just this, this hyper, hyper-realistic, hyper-natural being that is able to, for whatever reason, exist out of time and space, occupy multiple bodies may not even like it's it's something we can't understand and uh i was talking to scott glancy last week and we talked about like we were talking about time and space and whether or not uh narlethotep can, uh, can see beyond time and space or you know it's just like um, you know, my thoughts are, oh, of course, an Arlethotep is a multidimensional creature, can see time or multiple flows of time, uh, just as we would be able to see depth. And not only can Arlethotep see multiple dimensions and multiple passages of time or multiple planes of time that exist, like, uh, 
I don't know, maybe a stationary uh, timeline and a timeline that moves differently, being able to occupy them all at the same time and just be kind of this, like, thing that can do multiple things multiple times, has different attributes, but always it comes down to being Narlethotep. Anyway, that's just an idea. Yeah, interesting. I kind of see it maybe that there is one Mr. N. Sure. In the center. And Mr. then he has, he has, you know, 9,999, you know, avatars. Yeah. Or 999 avatars. And then the true form has the power of all of them. Oh, interesting. That's probably a Heathian heresy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Another idea is it's like this kid named um, Ben a Thousand, and he has a watch thing on his arm that he can turn into different um, gods that are all Narlethotep. They just have different... Anyone who's seen Ben 10, anyone who has like a niece or a nephew or kids out there, Ben 10, he, he can... Anyway... <laughs> yeah, no, and, and, and that's very interesting and, and I think we kind of alluded to this last week uh-huh. what if the entities you know since he's got he covers so much since there's at least a thousand of them yeah do they ever goals and purposes ever come up against each other oh yeah yeah or is yeah. it all that they all serve the greater good so any apparent clash or differences between them is presumed. I really like the idea of one cult of Narlethotep um, being told to be afraid of this other cult of Narlethotep, but also um, maybe, you know, it's like, oh yeah, this cult over here, they are insane. We, we hide out in the basement of a church we, uh, we, we, we say our incantations over a little wax, uh, little wax figure of a, uh, of a, of a black bull. Uh, we're cool. We're weird. Those people out there, they take off people's skins. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, you, you, you may have people who think that they're just from like a little religious group that are like been tasked with taking care of, like fighting out who, you know, who's doing what in the city. And it's like, oh yeah, you're a religious group, and then later you talk about your religious group in length. It's like, oh yeah, I'm I'm part of a cult of Narlethotep, but that's my character. And you yeah, know, the, the, <laughs> that cult of Narlethotep is not as good as ours because they think it only has two lobed eyes instead of three lobed eyes. The heretics. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. We could get into heresies like that, um, but yeah, no, no. I could see how, or or like, there's. Um, one person or uh, one mask sets up a religion or a cult uh, for another mask to use a straw man or even uh, just for like, oh, if we set up a cult here and a cult here, then this cult doesn't need to get supplies anymore. It can raid this cult and this cult if we're talking about like older times or civilizations or back mountains or in the middle of the Sahara. Who knows? Not the middle middle of the Sahara. That's 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 like the eye of Africa or something, isn't it? I don't know. I think it's on the upper. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's where Atlantis but, but, is, everyone. You know, too, does, so is, I'm kidding. Does this 
true form of Narlothotep, yeah, does he play chess with the other forms? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, is 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 it a like something of a a, a game that it plays with itself? You know. Um, oh, hey, I wonder how much of a cult or how close this aspect of Narlothotep can. Uh, bring the world to almost the end. You know, it's like, how, how close can we get without doing it? And how close can we get to doing it or whatnot? Anyway, um, yeah, 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 I could see. I could see that. That's that's a lot of fun, Dave. Yeah, or, you know, he's willing to cause a religious war just because he needs somebody to be emotionally traumatized so that they'll do something in their 30s. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, or... Uh, has some sort of like a, a religious crusade in the name of something you know he's some sort of figurehead who has a religious crusade in the name of this person and the only thing that that's doing is making sure that this artifact's not in this country when this happens in 50 years you know i mean narlethotep is playing chess with himself with itself with us with with other mythos entities and, you know, um, yeah, no, like, shoot, it's like Narlethotep could, like, uh, create a cult just to mess with another mythos entity. No, absolutely. And there's at least one story where, you know, um, where uh, Narlethotep uh, tried to pass himself off as... Azimuth, uh, I mean, not Azimuth, but Azimuth. Yeah. So, you know, the, yeah. The, there can be a lot of... I mean, I think he sort of is the Lovecraftian god of strife. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or the Lovecraftian god of that's for nothing, now do something. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lovecraftian god of for the lulls. Yep, yep. All right. Um, so up next, we're going to be talking about D&D. But before that, uh, we've got some ads to help pay the bills. And I just want to say Copper Cow Coffee. Check out Copper Cow Coffee. Uh, it's like I did the math the other day and it was like a buck 40 for each serving of coffee. And wow, that's incredibly cheap. That is incredibly cheap, unless you're making it at home with like, you know, Five ninety. Oh shoot! Coffee hasn't cost five ninety nine. You know your your ten ninety nine pound ninety nine a pound bag of of uh, French roast or whatnot. I mean, yeah, that is way more economic. But it's far uh, far more economic than your uh, daily Starbucks. So check out Copper Cow in the show notes. Um, you know you can tell them DB sent you, but just just use the codes. That works a lot more efficiently. Uh, yeah. Hey everyone, it's me, DB. 
new sponsor on the show, Glary. Glary offers a great price and better quality goods and services for music lovers. Are you looking for good prices, free shipping, 100% quality guarantee? Glary's got you covered. Guitars, bass guitars, mandolins, they've got saxophones, trumpets, drums, they've got guitar cases, amplifiers, all the stuff that you need without having to break the bank. Inexpensive doesn't have to mean cheap. Check out the show notes to find more about Glary. 20 watt amplifiers for under $50. Hard cases for your electric guitar for under $80. Guitars themselves for under $90. Come on, folks, check out the show notes. Get a Glary. Prepare for a spine tingling, nerve shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Hear your host. Derek M. Cook and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classics and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival, Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and The Head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio. T-shirts in the shop. Just go to pgttcm.com. Check out all our cool T-shirts and stickers. Heck, we even got some shelf curtains in there. Keep clean. Look cool. Have cool stickers to put on stuff. Join us on Patreon and get a free sticker. Or don't. It's up to you. Hey everyone, it is us. We are back. D&D on D&D. I'm one of those Ds. Uh, Dave, how are you doing? I am doing well. Alright, so we're talking about magical items this week on the Dungeons and the Dragons aspect of the podcast. So, Dave... Magical items, what are they? Where do they come from? Well, it, a lot of it depends on how your your dungeon master is going to use this. Okay. But just as we discussed a little bit last week, the whole concept in real world, and air quotes for those who can't see it, uh-huh. as well as gaming, it, is magic allows you to break the law, the rules. Sure, yeah. So magic items are items that are allow you to break the rules. So the rule says that you don't, you know, you, your 18 that you rolled to stab that hobgoblin king yeah. isn't high enough for his armor class. Well, your plus one makes it 19, so it literally changes the rules in both the game physics universe but in the, the rule laws. 
All right, all right. So, what, uh, well, I was going to talk about that uh, magic items generally come in a few uh, shapes and sizes, like potions, oils, uh, armor and shields, um, ammunition. Wands. Wands. I was going to say, let's see, uh, wands, rings, rods artifacts and just like items that you can wear or uh, bear so yeah, sort of the catch-all is kind of the, the wondrous item yeah category yeah 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 and um yeah oh man i am trying to think of what's the best way to even start to tackle this concept like you've got um oh goodness there's like magic armor and shield and that's anything from like your plus one to your plus two um elven chainmail which is like one of those things that early on if you can get elven chainmail and you're a rogue or someone who just wants to benefit from like a lighter chain a lighter chainmail you get a plus one ac bonus while you wear this armor you're considered proficient with this armor even if you lack proficiency with medium armor which as a uh, rogue that's nice <laughs> yeah but yeah you've like and you can find um everything from like dwarven plate uh to like plate armor of etherealness which is like what well okay i guess it's not too bad if i fall off of a boat wearing ethereal plate armor but <laughs> Yeah, and and it, I know it was sort of a three point five rule, uh-huh. but they also the item had to be like the best of the best. Oh yeah, yeah. Before it could even be set up magically. Yeah, you're you're not just going to be able to cast spells on like a spoon or a fork you find in the street unless it's masterwork. And, and I think they've gone away from. I kind of like the idea that something looks crappy and it turns out it's all powerful oh yeah yeah that's a cool idea and and i think especially we see a lot of the, the things that influence gygax at al at all uh-huh. we see a lot of magic items yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah. in tolkien we are going to see um um you know, sting the sword, the ring, of course. Sure. Uh, so we're going to see a lot of, of magic there. And in the first edition, uh, magic swords glowed. Yeah. And, and I think they got that from Sting. Yes. Not the English musician who no. wrote Roxanne, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. Sting, uh, uh the hobbit sword yeah 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 no no and i remember glowing swords for a long period of time and then it was some time around i want to say 3.5 that it was no longer a descriptor but it could have been dropped long before that i didn't yeah, I kind of skipped the second so it may have disappeared in the second yeah. i think we all just assumed our swords glowed in second edition so yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um dave I can never remember this. I never do this anymore. Is it easy to make magical weapons and armor uh, in D&D? Like, what is not it? Not in my world. Not in your world. Okay. Well, and, and, and there's different, and there's definitely rules and spells. 
but I don't think a lot a lot of people who play with me at least. Yeah. That's like, you know, getting a job. Yeah. And and, and there are some characters and that's the artificers and there's some characters that are, are like techie like characters. Uh huh. And they like building things like that. And there's players like that. But one of the things about the magic item is it's a reward. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people so I mean people buy healing potions. Yes. People buy, you know, magic armor if they can afford it. Yeah. But they had to go out there and earn the gold. Sure. So sometimes they change one reward for another. Mm-hmm. But that's the whole sort of idea about the magic item is, is it's a reward. And if you're a character who wants to be a builder and stuff, more power to you. I'll work it into my game. But I think people like this idea that it's not only a reward. It's it's and that's one of the reasons people play D and D. Yeah. Is that gamification? Okay. That even though it's not a real item, it changes the game. It changes the rules. And that's that's it is addictive. Yeah. You know that is part of gamification. Yeah. And that they, they want this reward, but unless you're sending out on a quest. For, you know, the Holy Grail or, you know, King Ocelot's sword or something. You don't know what it is. Yeah. I mean, there's, that's part of the thing is when you start looting the bodies and counting up the treasure and going through the dragon horde. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's usually, okay, the gold, the diamond, the regular stuff. And then almost every, unless it's part of the event, almost every DM does the magic items last. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Generally get the works of art, uh, then go to the, 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 like, coinage, then go to the jewels, and yeah, yeah, no, no. But magic items are the very last thing. For a reason. <laughs> it, like, builds up tension, and it builds up, like, what are we gonna get? Like, we can buy our own magic stuff now with all this gold we have. We can literally take all of these huge gems and buy whatever we want within reason, within walking distance. Or, you know, like, first you have to be able to get there. Uh, first you have to be able to move all of the money there. And then also, um, you know, keep your money from getting stolen. But magical items do a pretty good job of uh, keeping themselves from getting stolen. I mean, just don't end up like the person you're taking it from. <laughs> and, and, you know, I've never seen anyone get in a big fight over who's going to get the rubies. Sure, sure, but, sure. Oh, there's going to be some contention when it's dividing up the magic items. Yeah, and uh, how, how do you... Uh, like, how do you figure out when to give out magical items? So I think there's a couple of things. There is just the reward. And I think that was kind of how first A&D was sort of, you know, and again, high schoolers. Oh, you killed this monster. It says roll three magic items. Yeah. I, yeah. I think the better DMs out there tail it to the story. Yeah. So part of it is that they know what's going to come next. Sure. Oh, wow. I discovered a potion of turning stone to flesh. I'll never need that. Yeah. Open up the door and there's a Medusa. 
mm-hmm. you know but part of it is also it kind of makes sense sure you know why is this holy relic why is this plus five vorpal sword yeah why is it on this first level then yet sure yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think the first time I ever dealt with that was, like, uh, some really nice armor came off of a Mind Flayer, and we are all like, wait a minute, why didn't he use the armor? Wait a minute, why is a Mind Flayer hauling around chest mail, or a chest plate? And then we were just like, that, we have to fig- figure this out, we gotta fix this. This was in 2.5, 3.0. Uh, my friends and I were like, okay, we can, like, start thinking about the monster's environment. We can start thinking about, you know, what does this cave look like? What does, what's the ecosystem? Like, um, when you first come in and you're dealing with the kobolds and stuff, what are the kobolds going to have that once was part of a dragon's horde? Are the kobolds going to have access to the dragon's horde? And do kobolds have, uh, do, do these kobolds have access to potions? Do they know how potions work? What happens if a kobold goes... Uh, screw you guys, I'm going to drink all my potions at once. Uh, you know, it's like, um, what kind of weapons do they have? Is there kind of any... Do dragons actually participate in trickle-down economics with their uh, with with their minions? And t- to my sense, it would make sense that a dragon would be like, here is this wand of fireball, Miskov the, uh, the friendly... And then Miskov the Friendly goes, Aha! Kobolds! Ah, my minions! We have this fireball wand. We can, like, not only be better than the other kobolds, we can be better than the other whatevers in this this, uh, dungeon ecosystem. But, I don't know. Just the thought. Yeah, and if it makes sense. I mean, think of it. In The Hobbit, Bilbo just finds the ring just lying there. Yeah. But there's a story behind it. Sure. Sure. And... And, you know, players don't, I mean, DMs don't have to share that story with their players. They may want to, especially after the fact. Yeah. But but there there's a logical reason, even though on the surface, if you don't know the story in the background, Bilbo just found this ring when he was wandering off in a cave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you might be able to have your magical item that your crew gets. This is one thing that I was thinking of that I like to do. Um, have a trap set up and then have the trap end up being like a magical item that can be like, oh, wait a minute, we can we can just take this, uh, this, uh, what do you call it? Um, oh, now my brain's <laughs> decanter of endless water. We can We can take this decanter of endless water with us instead of drowning in it. All right, gang. Let's let's get that fireball wand that's somehow hooked up to that statue over there, and then we have a fu- fireball wands again. But yeah, no, no. Uh, you can or, inf- or even a bait. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 There's there's nothing like oh. Uh, at one point in time, there was a what seemed like a bad guy way high up in a canyon, and they could only see the glint of the bad guy's armor. And um, when they get there, they're like, oh, we're going to get that bad guy. And it's like, it, it's still nice armor, but it was not the bad guy. The bad guy was using mechanical devices to make it sound like he was up there. 
and it ended up being but um also or like MacGuffins, like the maltese falcon like not just like a physical representation where you can see something but something that people are talking about maybe for you know several uh build your campaign around it all of rod of the seven parts i mean and if you don't know what i say when i say rod of the seven parts look up rod of the seven parts it's fun stuff but not rod seven parts yeah that's somebody else that's a totally different person uh <laughs> that's that guy parts his hair seven different ways it's crazy yeah. um, rod of the seven hair parts yep yep but yeah, no, there's magical gems, there's helms, there's, you know, the wondrous stuff. There's, there's like all kinds of things that you go, oh, I didn't even know that still existed. But yeah, there's, there's like classic stuff like bag of many, uh, bag of holding, bag of holding, uh, deck of many things, how to disguise. There's like boots and cloak of elven kind. Yeah. Yeah. There's classics out there. And as you've said, Dave, it's there are things that just give you like a couple of points here and there to change your basic stat scores to make you better at D&D or to make your character uh, succeed its roles. But honestly, um, it's not like something you get to, to take home with you. It's not something that you get to put on your mantle and be like, tell your kids, when I was 15, I got a pair of uh, boots of elven kind, and they saved my bacon time and time again. You have unless your memories. You're yeah, yeah, uh, unless you're Bilbo. But um, yeah, no, you have your memories. You have your, your fun, interactive times. And you know what? That's, that's just another part of the Skinner box of uh, magical items, though. <laughs> and, and, and it's also an equalizer. Yeah. In the way that, say, and especially, you know, first and second, where thieves could use, um, you know, scrolls, but it gives magic to people that don't normally have access to it. Sure, yeah. Uh, such as, you know, fighters or, you know, rogues. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's very, very true. Very, very true. Um, you can totally unhinge a game, though, by bringing out too much magic too early. As, you know, I asked Dave earlier, uh, when do you give people magical items? And, you know, I agree with him, but, you know, a little bit at a time. Because if, if everyone has every piece of their stuff... A magical their plate mail's magic their swords are magic their rings are magic their animals are magic their food is magic i mean when you get to that point where everything they consume is magic unless it's a specialty class of wizard you know spell eaters or something um you yeah yeah i mean it's it's up to the dm then to fix the level of the game because if you make it too easy it's kind of fun at first it's kind of fun to like create super powerful characters that just smash everything but then after a while you run out of fun and then you have to raise the balance level i mean you have to balance out everything and that's when you start getting to like bigger and better and more powerful creatures but i mean is is there it's cool to be generous yeah but you're not doing your game or your players a lot of favors yeah now if it works for you it works for you yeah maybe there's a game where everybody not just the pcs but all the mpcs have magic totally 
And it's like, oh, what? It's a plus four sword? Well, okay, I'll trade you this bag of wheat, but, you know, I've already got five of them. Yeah. And, and that might be, and I don't know if that would be a burnout game, but if you like it so much, the better. Yeah. But that might be sort of interesting where, where magic is so mundane that it's the mundane stuff that are, are become valuable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. You could end up with a magic world where you can, like, mix and match parts on your weapon so that it does all these cool effects and stuff like that. Or you can, like, treat magic, and this is something I tend to do, you treat magic items like, oh, we don't know how to make that stuff anymore. We know how to make potions, we know how to make, like, scrolls, we know how to make, like, some plus one and plus two shields and armor, but anything like that is way out of our ability. People can cast spells, but taking those spells and permanently pushing them into, like, a gauntlet for some reason i don't know how to do that no one knows how to do that like anymore anymore there's some sort of manual deep 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 in the mountains that you know might have something you know make magic and if magic returns it's your fault like if magic (laughs) if if in five years time every place is going to have um I don't know, a deck of illusions in their front window. It's your fault, but... (laughs) So what is your favorite magic item? Oh, man. Uh, There have been so many homebrew magic items that my friends and I have made up over the years. But honestly, when it comes to it, bag of holding is not a bad thing. I'm always a big fan of the plus one uh, to protection. Um plus one to hit kind of stuff, but bag of holding, uh, you can carry all your gear in there and bag of holdings just, you know, always kind of, always kind of there for you. Um, I'm also a huge fan of portable holes. I've been able to build like little mini bases and then fold them up and sneak them into places. So yeah, anything that kind of manipulates the amount of space that you have Always about that. Love that stuff so much. So I think my favorite canon is probably going to be the wand, the wand of wonder. Ooh, what? because you always yeah. wonder what it's going to do. Yep, I have uh, based a homebrew item of a sword of the same, uh, same, same thing. It was something that no one ever wanted to have, and it would pop up in the games. And it would just be a sword that you could either hold it out like a wand and cast spells, or you could fight with it. And if you held it out and cast spells, it would, it could, uh, like, pick up magical abilities from, like, creatures and then mimic it. So you didn't know if, like, you were going to cast Fireball or uh, split your enemy into two people um, via Gemini. Or I'm trying to remember what that doppelganger... I can't remember what that spell was called back in the days. But yeah, no, a lot of crazy... Clone Oh, I think it might have been clone. But yeah, no, it's like um, a lot of crazy stuff. This is a lot of like first edition, second edition, early times. Like, oh yeah, we made a sword. And it wasn't anything spectacular. But it was this sword that... And oh man, just using the sword as a wand was just the dumbest idea. But anytime like we're in like a perilous situation. It's like, well, the worst thing that happen is monsters all kill us or, uh, we could do something. And then it's like, nope, we just put up a wall of force between us and the escape. Okay. never mind. <laughs> so, so my, my favorite non canon. Yeah. 
magic item. It actually came in a, an April Fool's version of Dragon Magazine. Oh, those are like fun. Those games. are fun. What what was it? It was the plus three ho- Holy Terror hockey stick. <laughs> and I, I knew a guy actually did it. It worked, ran in one of his campaigns. So it was basically a club, right? Which uh-huh. was like D8 or 2D6. And it was like a plus three or maybe like a plus five. Yeah. But if you rolled a natural 20... You rolled like a D4, and that's how many teeth it took out. <laughs> okay. I see where and they're coming from with hockey. He was just batting out dragons and, yeah. and you know, uh, giants and orc teeth all over. <laughs> you can uh, start a business making necklaces. Uh, yeah, no, no. Uh, one of my favorite from those uh, Dragon Magazine April Fool issues was a spell called Communicate with Mud. <laughs> That's a cool one. Communicate with mud. The mud goes glub, glub. Um, you can communicate with mud, but no one ever said the mud would be intelligent. I believe was the descriptor for the spell, but I could oh, be mistaken. Cool. But yeah, it was it was a fun one. Uh, those those uh, those folks at Wizard, not Wizard, the uh, Dragon, yeah. TSR back, TSR back in the day, yeah. Those were fun. Those were fun. And if you can find them online, folks, I highly recommend checking out. I mean, you couldn't always use, rarely could you ever use any of the April Fool's stuff, but it was fun to have. And as a DM, those spells were fun to throw out. You just, like, change the descriptor, and it's like, speak with Earth. And so then someone tries to speak with Earth, and they find out they're just talking to mud or rocks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Um, I don't know what else we could talk about magical items. Hey, if you're listening out there, everyone, and you want to ask us a question about magical items, D&D, Call of Cthulhu, Narlethotep, Delta Green, Gumshoe, Cyberpunk, Shadowrun, I don't know, any of these things that Dave and I talk about, RPGs in general, um, how to do something or anything else, let us know. We will talk to you. We'll, We'll respond to it as fast as we can. And thank you again for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, or um, as some people still get it on their thing, Radio Free Oleander. So, yeah. All right. Thanks again, everyone. Bye. This episode has been brought to you by... Okay, and then I'll tack that part in. All right. Letter Z for Zadok Allen. And also remember, check the show notes, click those links, and find out how you can support the show. We've got a Patreon. We've got a direct link to PayPal. We've got sponsors that you can buy. Donner is having some really good deals right now. And also, I would have to say, check out Copper Cow Coffee. And, uh... There's a Stone Ground chocolate company in there that you should check out called Taza. Uh, Stone Ground in Lovecraft Country. And, uh, yeah, they've got some really good flavors. They don't use dairy. They use uh, vegetable-based milk instead, so Mm. it's vegan. Taza Chocolates, Somerset, Massachusetts. Uh, We've also got stuff from Curvy Girl. We've got... Golden Goat CBD gummies and uh, other stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, if you're looking for 
a way to advertise on your website, on your podcast, whatever your projects are, your YouTube page. Uh, why not go to Share a Sale? That's where I get all my sponsors from and pass the savings on to you. You can find that. You can advertise your projects. You can advertise your website, your products, any of that stuff. So check out the show notes. And Dave and I will see you next time. Anything you want to say before we uh, head out into that night again? I said that before, but... Good night. Bye. Bye, everyone. All music by D.B. Spitzer. You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Fake everything, 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 everything. 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 Fake everything.